and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 5, Episode 4, Out of My Mind. I'm out of my mind with how much this episode sucks. <laughs> well, we had a good run there. I know, we were, I feel embarrassed because we were so like, Season 5 is great, like banger after banger, and then we hit this episode, and I'm just so disappointed. It's so clunky, you notice? I did notice that. I was watching it, and I, I'm like, it's interesting because it's not any one thing, right? It's not Riley, although he's a problem. <laughs> it's not the plot. It's not, you know, Dawn. It's it's everything is off in this episode. Did they just all have an off day? Did they all wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Like, the dialogue is bad. bad. Like it's, it's, it's bad. I would say it is the plotting. Like, nothing flows together. The jokes, if there are any, don't land. Harmony, who should be friggin' hilarious, feels off in this episode, too. Okay, I will push back on that, because for me, Harmony was the one saving grace of this episode. And and maybe, maybe I'm just a Harmony fangirl, and I'm completely, uh, you know, unable to criticize her. Maybe, maybe that's what we're learning in this rewatch for me. <laughs> but I really liked Harmony, and... I keep forgetting that we get more of her in this season. For some reason, I always tell myself that she's done after season four. So for her to show up in Real Me and now in this episode, I'm just like, wait a minute. Yes, we get more harmony in season five. I, I think this is why I always come back to season five being one of my favorites. And then I change my mind and I'm like, no, season three or season two. But then I watch season five again and I'm like, wait, and not just harmony, but it's like, oh, yeah, there's all these little parts of the season that I'm just like, wow, that's really good. Um, this episode is, is by and large not one of them. <laughs> yeah, I think with Harmony, like I said earlier, the jokes don't land. So a lot of her jokes, which I'm sure as you and I talk it through, I'll giggle at them. But when I was watching it, I was like, this just isn't landing for me. None of these, none of the setup um, and her dialogue with Spike is landing. This episode is very much a season one episode to me. It's just, it's just silly. Stop insulting season one, Steph. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I will say for this episode, though, everyone again is beautifully lit up. Everyone looks beautiful. So there's that. Let's start. We open up on the cemetery. Buffy is roof patrolling. We haven't seen her roof patrol in a very long time. Seems like a lie to me where <laughs> she used to watch over the cemetery perhaps this has something to do with the fact that she's now like you know she's no longer just patrolling we call it she calls it hunting now right like it's a whole new level to her seeking out vampires and it works for her for her because she she runs out into the cemetery and she stakes a vamp before he's at even out of the grave have we ever seen that before i don't think so and then another one pops out of the ground and she's trying to fight it but then riley intervenes and he's like what are you doing here? And she's like, my job. And he's like, I thought you were in the North Sector. 
And Riley's fighting the vampire really well. Like, he, like, throws him at one point. And before I knew the rest of the plot, I was watching this scene. I was like, why is he so strong? Uh, I guess we'll, like, I guess we'll find out. Um, but yeah, he ends up staking this, this vampire. Another vampire comes out of the ground. And Spike comes out of nowhere and takes him out. And Buffy's like, why do I even bother to show up? What are you doing here, Spike? And Spike's like, same reason as you and your Cub Scout here. I, I wanted a spot of violence before bedtime. And he gets knocked over and his nose starts to bleed. And Buffy gets like pushes him out of the way and she stakes the vampire. And Spike's like, what? I softened him up. And then he like tastes his own nose blood. <laughs> on his finger and Buffy says better keep out of my way Spike I'm not going to take this much longer and Spike says he can't just stay home and knit and Riley says you know what she's right you shouldn't be out here while she's patrolling and Buffy gives Riley this look and of course Spike who's ever perceptive says oh I saw that looks like neither boy is entirely welcome you should take him home Slayer make him stay there I've got knitting needles he can borrow and Buffy says, Spike, I just saw you taste your own nose blood. You know what? I'm too grossed out to hear anything you have to say. Go home. So she walks off with Riley and Spike just says, it's blood. It's what I do. Okay. Uh, two points. Mm. First, as a knitter, I take umbrage. There is nothing wrong with staying home and knitting all night instead of hanging out in a dank cemetery. Nice. Secondly, this is a very busy night. Right? Like, we got multiple vampires emerging from the grave. So these are fresh vampires. Did another vampire have a busy night a couple nights ago siring a bunch of people? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Is this a typical night? Because, like, how many people die in Sunnydale to cause this rate of vampirism? I know. I also feel like, I mean, is it, are we supposed to think that this many vampires are always rising every night? And That's just... what I mean. Yeah. That's, that, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. sustainable. I mean, it's not. poor Asian population of Sunnydale. <laughs> well, you notice none of these Asian, none of these Asians, none of these vampires were Asian. Uh, one of them was black. I'll, I'll, I'll point out, and Spike was the one that attacked that one. But um, this is why Buffy patrols every night. I suppose we just don't get, we're not privy to it because sometimes they get distracted with demons and witches and other things. Yeah, sometimes she just kills poor demons minding their own business, walking through the cemetery <laughs> like sweet with Legos. <laughs> Justice for Legos. Maybe that's what... Remember last week we were so confused about Toth and his vengeance? Perhaps he was avenging Legos and Makita and all these demons who are just minding their business, you know? Toth is a Legos truther. <laughs> and his next victim would have been Angel. Um, so so Riley is telling Buffy, like, I hope you didn't. I didn't get in the way. And Buffy's like, you know what? Of course not. I just was startled. And you know I don't love the idea of you patrolling alone. So Buffy's lying. Like, she absolutely is annoyed that he's there. And Riley's like, I'm not much for bench warming. And I was like, well, that's rich, Riley, because as you are dating the number one demon slayer in the entire world, uh, you will always be a bench warmer to her. So this is something he's still not grasping, you know? Uh, Buffy points out that um, he threw a vampire like it was a teeny-weeny vampire. And I was like, oh, okay, good. So this is going to be a plot point. I thought that was just like Riley. They just like wanted him to be strong. Like that one time he could beat up Angel in the Yoko factor. And we were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Riley says, you want to go again? This place is just teeming with aerodynamic vampires. And Buffy's like, nah, unless you want to go back there and kill Spike for the fun of it. And they both, like, agree silently that that would be a waste of their time. 
And Spike starts monologuing behind them by himself. He says, I will know your blood, Slayer. I'll make your neck my chalice and drink deep. And he walks off, but of course he falls into an open grave and says, ow. (laughs) And then we cut to credits. So when I say that this plot is clunky, there are just so many unnecessary scenes. And this scene with Willow, unless maybe, maybe Cara, maybe you can change my mind. I was like, what is this? What is this? doing except for establishing that these girls go to university which we already knew and that they're are they're taking another class that's not psych yeah the show is trying to remind us that buffy's in university i i think what's interesting about this season is we're really seeing this shift back in favor of the slayer part of buffy's life right the first couple of seasons were all well but i want to have a normal life and then season four was like i want to go to college and have a normal life but also slay demons with my boyfriend who's also normal Um, so season five is kind of like, I want to be the Slayer. Like she's really leaning into the Slayer thing, but I think the show maybe has gone too far in that direction. And then they're just like, oh, oh yeah, she is in college. Yes. Yes. We must remind us of this fact. And also reminding us probably because remember we were saying, oh, she just lives at Joyce's now. (laughs) Like, you know, like she's not on campus anymore. So Willow and Buffy are debating the French revolutionary topic that I guess they just had a lecture about. And Willow is saying, like, Buffy, listen to us. We're arguing, having a debate about a college lecture. I've dreamt of this day since forever. You're turning into quite the student. And okay, I'm going to have a little Willow slander here. It's been a while. Willow, stop thinking Buffy's stupid. Okay, stop thinking that Buffy's a bad student. Was it not last year in season four, where Buffy was getting better marks than you and Psych? Right, Buffy was actually excelling as a student last year before the the other the Slayer stuff got in the way. I guess um, she also did excellent on her SATs. Like Buffy's proven to you that she's a good student. She just doesn't learn the way you do. So I'm I'm getting sick of Willow condescendingly telling Buffy, "Look at you, look at you, and your and your ability to do well in courses and talk to me about stuff that's related to school." Like, I'm just sick of it. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point. So Buffy's telling Willow, you know, don't worry, Willow, you're still the smarty pants in the family. And Willow is saying that Buffy's been studying a lot. And Buffy's like, yeah, I'm trying to. School's getting busier and Giles packs all her free time with slaying and extra training. So she says working hard is hard work. And um, basically what what Buffy is saying, she wished she could go through a fantasy of montages where she's doing all the studying, but it goes by quickly. But life is not quick like that. It's slow. And trust me, like, Kara, you and I love montages. We would have loved to see that, too. (laughs) Yeah, the problem with a montage, it's really exhausting. Like, I don't know about you, Steph, but when I montage, I am starving at the end of one yeah absolutely and like it's really challenging and stressful picking out the right song for the montage so that is so true (laughs) and you don't want to get a copyright strike against your life if you end up using an unlicensed song (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so buffy be careful what you wish for buffy's basically saying i'm off to training now you want to come willow's like okay and then (laughs) they leave so at the magic shop um xander things to say things to say (laughs) xander's building i guess shelves for giles for his new magic shop because giles is the new proprietor of the magic shop and he i guess xander is excelling as remember he was made like leader 
of the of the carpenters <laughs> of the carpenter union. And he's all into it now. Suddenly, <laughs> like in, overnight, he got really good at carpentry, and he's building how shelves. Does, how does one do that without YouTube? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he remember remember he was on site for three months, and the <laughs> superintendent was like, "You want to be the leader here." <laughs> So, so Giles tells Xander, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with your work. And Giles has never said that to Xander before. Giles has been hit on the head too many times. It's official. <laughs> Giles, Toth really knocked you out the last episode. Because like this is not impressive. It, it actually makes no sense at all that Xander is all of a sudden good at this. I will add, though, Xander is looking better in that he's wearing, um, you know, a low-key sweater and he's doing work that apparently is correct. <laughs> and I, I, I'm glad that this change that he said he was going to make at the beginning of the season by episode four, it's already seemingly happening. I, it's just unbelievable. It just doesn't make any wait, wait, sense. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, theory, theory. Because a lot about this season is unbelievable so far, right? Giles <laughs> yeah. getting ownership of the magic sh- shop so quickly. Xander becoming a carpenter. <laughs> I can't even say it. I can't even. Yeah, it's um, ridiculous. <laughs> whatever's going on with Spike, I don't know why Buffy hasn't killed him yet. Theory. This whole thing with Dawn, right? We're just like, why is Dawn here? Why does nobody remember that she wasn't here? Maybe it's fucked up the universe. Maybe mm. like Dawn broke the universe. I don't know how. I don't know who she is. Like, maybe the very fabric of reality is crumbling around us in this season because of Dawn. And all of this weird stuff we're critiquing is actually the show just being like, you know, you remember when Jonathan became the best in season four for that one episode? Yeah, yeah. That's what we're doing for this whole season with this Dawn chick. And these are all clues that you need to pick up on. (laughs) You and I just cannot accept that Xander could be good at anything. So we're like, what is no, the no, alternative? I can accept that Xander <laughs> would be good at something. If if the show back in season four had said Xander's going to study carpentry for a year, cool. We had the one episode, we had Pangs, where he decided to be a construction worker and then he got syphilis, <laughs> you know, and then it never came up again. And yeah. now suddenly he's good at construction. Like that is what I'm objecting to is the show, it's like the writers woke up at the start of season five and said, we haven't done any character development for Xander in a whole year. We just made joke. We just made him the butt of jokes. Yeah. Um. You know, they lampshaded that in Buffy versus Dracula, and then they're like, okay, we got to get serious about Xander and his life. And it's 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 you know it's it's just like it, I don't object to the character development. I object to how sloppy it is. Yeah, and how quick and unbelievable <laughs> one would would see it as. Uh. Yeah. That's that's really fair. You know what else this episode really drop the ball on while we were just talking about montages Buffy's school montage we didn't get they could have had a montage of them fixing up Giles's magic shop uh of them building shelves and organizing I'll also add that maybe Giles got the magic shop so quickly because no one reported that Mr. Bogarty died (laughs) oh my god Giles Giles is now committing identity fraud the body is just in the back room like they just took over no one said anything no paperwork giles is mr bogarty to the law um that's not out of the question to think about 
So anyway, Anya's there. She's organizing shelves. Um, Tara's there too. Anya is like, who put the monkey head next to the sticks water? Do you want to pick exploding monkey out of our hair? And uh, Willow and Buffy come in and Willow's marveling at how great the shop looks. And she's like, oh, is this nude eyes in like this container? And Giles is like, they're salamander eyes, which are equally effective. It's just a matter of overcoming snobbery. And like, this, this is what I mean. Like the dialogue, like who cares? Like what, yeah, what is cause, this? Because Willow says something about how like, you know, I still think the nude eyes are important or something. So? Yes. And th- th- it's this exchange where I'm like, what is going on with this dialogue? Because this is not how Willow talks. It's neither interesting nor quippy. So why? And again, Xander adds to this and makes a joke about taste testing, like womp womp, you know? And Giles is like, Buffy, you ready to train? And they head to the back. As they head to the back, Willow is talking to Tara. And Tara saying it'd be really cool if a real psychic would sit in the shop and read fortunes and stuff. And Tara, that's a friggin' genius business idea. And Willow says, um, you should do it. And Tara's like, no, no, not me, but I'd love to watch and learn from someone who's really good at it, you know? And Willow's like, you are really good at it. I'll prove it. And Willow holds out her hands to her. And this is just, you know, for some classic Buffy lesbian hand-touching ASMR uh, because they can't kiss. And Tara grabs her hand and she's like, hmm. And Willow's like, what do you see? And she says, Willow hands. And they smile. And again, I just like, number one, Tara looks gorgeous. She looks beautiful in this scene. Her glittery eyeshadow and her soft hair. Like, she just looks really pretty. The way that she like whispers and she's like, hmm. And she grabs Willow's hand. I was getting ASMR. Whenever these two are talking to each other, I'm so relaxed. <laughs> uh, and they are quickly becoming, they actually are at this point my favorite couple on the show because who else am I going to ship at the moment in the back Giles has entered with Xander and Buffy and guess who attacks Buffy immediately <laughs> it's Riley and we don't know why he just he just he he tackles her to the ground and he says keeping you on your toes and uh Buffy gets up and she takes in this new gym that Giles and Xander built for her in the back room it's got like a punching bag and a mat and probably those crystals from Real Me. And uh, there's a scarecrow man. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in there. Because that's not going to come alive and kill us all in our sleep. Yeah, seriously. I was like, oh, here's a, here's the plot for episode five of the season. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's such a nice dad. Giles, you're such a nice dad. Uh, Buffy's so happy. She's like, thank you. I love it. And Riley is like telling her, let's test this puppy out. Think you can take me? Eh, shut up, Riley. <laughs> Yeah, yes, I think we have definitively demonstrated that she can, in fact, take you. What are you not getting? What are you not... Throwing a football at you was enough to take you out, so... <laughs> uh, so, anyway, she ignores him, as she should. And Xander says he made the dummy, which is what we're talking about, the scarecrow-looking thing. And Buffy's like, this is all great. And Jal says that she's earned it, truly. And I'm like, oh, so sweet, you guys. And Buffy says that they're all her fairy godmothers or Santa Claus or Q from Bond, not from Star Trek. And I wanted to ask you, Kara, do you think Buffy watches Star Trek to understand that reference? That was another line where I'm just like, where is this coming from? This is not Buffy. This episode was written by somebody named Rebecca Rand Kirshner. And um, sorry, Rebecca, you're kind of failing at this. Oh, harsh. <laughs> well, am I not? Am I wrong? <laughs> this is her first episode, though, so maybe she'll get better. Uh, well, let's go to Spike's crypt, all right? Because he's watching Dawson's Creek. Uh, we have listeners and we have people engaging with us on social media 
every day saying Buffy is their all-time favorite show. Well, Spike is watching my all-time favorite show, and he says, oh, Pacey, you blind idiot. Can't you see she doesn't love you? And I am not surprised in the least that Spike is incorrect when watching Dawson's Creek and understanding the character of Pacey Witter. Steph, uh, Steph is about to nerd out. I'm going to go refill my glass of water. <laughs> as, as Kara would whenever she t- brings up Star Trek or shows that she really likes, this is incorrect. And Dawson's Creek was airing at the time, same time as Buffy on the WB. This episode came out in October 2000, which means that Dawson's Creek was in season four, very likely following season, episode three which was the two gentlemen of Capeside. Joey very much was in love with Pacey. It also doesn't surprise me that Spike is a Dawson and Joey shipper. He seems to be on Dawson's side, or he's projecting his own self onto Pacey, which is incredibly incorrect. And I want people to stop saying this right now to me on social media, that Pacey and Spike are similar. They are not. (laughs) Maybe that's a TikTok I need to create one day. But um, no, not in the least. I do love the fact that Spike is watching Dawson's Creek. I think that's hilarious and right on point for him because he likes passions and all these kind of things. I'm just saying he's watching it wrong. So knock (laughs) at the door. It's Harmony. Harmony is like, is it safe? Is Has Buffy gotten to you yet? I saw her patrolling just now with a stake. She won't give up until she's killed me dead. She's telling Spike that she's on the lam. She's Buffy's new arch nemesis. And Spike's like, okay, I must have missed the memo. And, and this was one of the jokes where Harmony's like, there was a memo? Oh, ah. And then she's like, this is an emergency. And I'm like, that didn't land. That wasn't a good joke. And Harmony says, I need a hideout bad. You're my only hope. We're just going to have to rise above our petty differences. I'm desperate. Please, please. Like, she's like begging him. She's like, I'll do anything. And Spike is saying, anything, will you? And she's like, oh, you mean like, will I have sex with you? Well, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed that part. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, it's like Harmony is the funniest part of this episode. It's just, it's just a weird episode. So... Harmony sits down. She starts to light a cigarette. She struggles at first because clearly she's never smoked a cigarette before. <laughs> Spike says, oh, so you've taken up smoking, have you? And she says, I'm a villain, Spike. Hello. And Spike says, with the slayer on your tail and all, she's not the type to give up on you, you know. She'll hunt you down day and night until you're too tired and too hungry to run anymore. Then, and he like throws a bunch of dust in the air. He's like, that is you. Spike says, I guess you're going to have to kill her. And Harmony's like, I tried, but it's all hard and stuff. (laughs) You do it. And Spike's like, I'd love to, but I can't remember. I've got this cute little government chip in my head. And Harmony's like, I guess it'll have to be me after all. But can you help with the thinking? And Spike's like, yeah, I suppose I could do that. So, oh no, we have another roughy sex scene. Uh, we don't see it though. We see the end of it where Buffy says that was relaxing. And um, where are they? Because remember, we kind of hypothesized that Riley is secretly living at Joyce's house. Well, so yeah, we're clearly in at Riley's place. And this was going to be one of my questions is what's up with Riley this season? Is he still in school? Like, is he still pretending to be a graduate student? Or is he a graduate student? Or... Is he just living off campus now? Yeah. Like, did he get his master's in psych or whatever? Or Like, was that real or was that just a cover? Yeah. Or has he been in the army since he was 18 and now he's just a nomad? 
The show does not explain <laughs> what Riley's status is here. And honestly, I, I gain. Don't care. Student, non-student, don't care. I just wish the show could kind of, like, tell us. Yeah, or, like, show him maybe he's still at the university helping TA or something. You know, like, something. Something that he's doing. Uber no, driving. he's spending all of his day having sex with Buffy. That's what <laughs> Buffy is training right now. Yes. Um... And he wants to go again, all right? However many times they just did it, it's not enough. But we already knew all this from where the wild things are. <laughs> like, we know that they can go yeah, for Yeah, I was hours. getting real strong flashbacks to this scene. I, I almost volunteered to summarize the scene, and then I'm just like, I'll take the next one. And then you're like, I'll pass, pass, pass. Yeah, Buffy says she has the endurance of 10 men. And Riley's like, let's make it women just for my imagery. Because uh, no homo. No homo. No homo. <laughs> right? Oh, God, Riley. Like, R- Riley's really trying to be hard here. Like, <laughs> oh, boy. Riley, he just, he just makes it so easy for you and I to pick him he apart. He wasn't that bad in the last couple of episodes, right? He wasn't that bad in season four either. But, like, this episode, I, I don't know. This episode is supposed to be all about his development. It's all about... <laughs> his his development does that make sense like i just don't it makes think... as much sense as this episode stuff yeah like riley's a lot in this episode so so um buffy says it takes a lot to warm her up and riley's like i love a challenge and they start to make out so i think again i'm like why does this scene exist other than to remind us that buffy and riley have lots of sex i assume on one hand it's to remind us that riley has a scar from his heart surgery when he did open heart surgery on himself (laughs) i'm sure that's not gonna have any repercussions no it's just reminding us that someone experimented on him and someone opened him up before and that someone was himself (laughs) and then it's also just to show us that he's just full of energy you know what he he can come all day (laughs) with buffy in his bed so meanwhile at joyce's house because buffy's not there don is in charge (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, but Don is chatting with Joyce, um, talking about school, talking about making substitute teachers cry, mm. which, true facts, um, when I was teaching in England, uh, well, okay, well, I was never really a substitute teacher, except one or once or twice I had to cover for other teachers at the school, but yes, sometimes kids make their teachers cry. I'm sure I deserved it. Aww. Um, <laughs> Uh, so Joyce is making breakfast, but while she's making this healthy, nutritious meal for Don, Don is dumping cereal into multiple cereal bowls. Um, and Joyce is like, "Do you need that much cereal, dear?" I'd like, but her tone is almost like, "I'm gonna, you know, like flip." Joyce has done that when she's high. <laughs> She's also made multiple bowls of cereal oh, for herself. Oh, maybe Donnie got into her stash. Maybe she's like, you, you okay, Donnie? I told you to stay out of my Johnny-O's. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's like, uh, it clearly, you know, you, you hit the wrong shelf of gummies in the cupboard. <laughs> you got Joyce's gummies and you got the house gummies. And you want to make sure you eat the right ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Joyce is criticizing her daughter, of course, um, and, and possibly... You know, this is this is not good behavior to criticize your daughter's eating habits because that could lead to more serious problems with food. Oh, this isn't her eating habits. This is her food serving habits. True, true. Because Don does say, I just want to get the, the thing inside the box, right? The price. And again, is that 14-year-old behavior? Maybe it's been a while since I've been 14, but... I don't know. It depends on how good the prize is, I guess. I, I guess. But like, I, I just, again, jo- let's not forget that Don was supposed to be a 12-year-old. 
which I think this makes more sense for a 14 year old fishing for whatever little prize is in there seems weird. Well, I mean, jo- Joyce is like, so you want the prize, but you don't want the cereal. <laughs> she's like, okay, sounds fake. <laughs> um, and then she's like, you're growing up. There's half an omelet for you. <laughs> Why is there half? Joyce, did she leave the other half already? <laughs> Joyce was so high. Joyce she made an omelet for Don. She ate half the omelet. She's like, this is good enough. <laughs> and someone with the munchies could never understand not eating the cereal and going for the fries. <laughs> Joyce. Once again, Joyce is the best part. Okay, so, unfortunately... <laughs> We gotta get serious for a moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Joyce is about to give the food to Don. She's got the plates in her hand. She looks at Don. She's all confused. She says, who are you? And then she faints. Uh, she falls to the ground. The plates shatter. Don, of course, grabs the phone, calls 911. Good job, Don. Damn. And we cut to the hospital. I want to pause there for a second and just say, oh, my fucking God, that's so scary. Uh, for real. And number two... When she says, who are you? Like, that's so significant because we've been asking who the hell is Dawn for four episodes now. And here's a little, just a little taste into Joyce. Um, We don't know what's going on with Joyce, but for her to say that, for her to look at this girl who's in her kitchen, who you and I know, you know, three months ago, she wasn't there for Joyce to say, who are you? Ooh, what are these writers doing? You know? Yeah. So at the hospital... Uh, the shot is Buffy and Riley coming in through the door. It's all dramatic. Don is sitting there. There's hugs all around. And then somebody shows up. <laughs> somebody shows up in a lab coat. And I, I don't know if I'm going to anger you with this statement, Steph. He looks like a shaggy-haired version of Riley. <laughs> You're not. No, I agree with you on that. He does. <laughs> like, he's just, he's too clean. Like, Riley was back at the beginning of season four. Like, clean cut. Yes. You know? Yeah, no, like I hear you. he's being washed in laundry detergent or something. Yeah. Well, he's a hospital employee. <laughs> he's very clean. <laughs> that, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Um. So, Dawn introduces them. Because, of course, Dawn, you know, knows everybody at the hospital at this point, I guess. She says, this is Ben. And he's the one who gave her a stethoscope to play with. Because when you're a doctor, you have your own stethoscope and you just hand it out to children willy-nilly. Okay, I have two things to say here. Number one, again, do 14-year-olds need to play with things while they wait? Does that seem too young? Her mom just collapsed on her. I feel like she's probably in shock. Okay, okay. so anything to distract her with, I get that. My other thing was this young man, Ben, what he says first off is, your mom's doing just fine. To Buffy, <laughs> without knowing who she is, <laughs> what she's doing I mean, there. We already know that the privacy policy in Sunnydale Hospital is not great. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I know whose intern this is. It's the chatty doctor's intern. <laughs> oh, good point. Yes, it's like okay. Today I'm going to teach you how not to uphold HIPAA. <laughs> because he says I'm the intern of the hospital. And he's that's that's how he knows Don, as you just said. Right. So I I need your your expertise. You've watched Grey's Anatomy, right? Yes. Right. So you are a medical expert. Intern. It goes like intern, resident, and then fellow. Is that how that works? Yeah, I'm gonna say yes, even though I'm not sure. <laughs> but that sounds right. Intern's the bottom of the barrel. All right. So he's like a, a newbie doctor. Yeah, he's like a student. Yeah. Cool. Great. Yes, we want student doctors to be treating us for sure. <laughs> your mom's fine. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, I mean, we know he's not a real doctor yet because he has a better bedside manner. Another, do- you know, the, the the ER doctor would be like, "Your mom was on drugs. Your mom's been doing drugs." 
not wrong. And then we got the coma doctor coming in. All the doctors from this show coming in. Being like, she's not in a coma, that's for sure. She's up and walking around. It's not my problem. It's not my responsibility. I love when they go to the hospital. That's like one of my favorite things about the show is when they go to the hospital. It's true. Yeah. Uh, All right. So Ben's saying uh, she's doing okay. Um, We don't know what's going on. It uh, could be a dizzy spell or low blood sugar. He lists off, you know, things because this is the secret is doctors really don't know what's wrong with you. And I'm not here to say, you know, don't trust Western medicine. I'm just saying, like, I think this is a very accurate portrayal of the fact that doctors actually, you know, all they do is they know how to prescribe tests and then make guesses and hopefully they they get it right. And of course, this is just another example of how the medical system does not listen to women or take women's health concerns seriously. Your mom was just dizzy. It's fine. It's not <laughs> fine. Your mom, how do I say this, was high. <laughs> um, my thing about this is he's saying it's low blood sugar. It's a dizzy spell. And then he says, we're doing tests. And then you have to come up for follow-up tests. So, like, really, you can't say those things until the test results come back. This is going to cost Trice <laughs> a fortune. I hope she has good health insurance through her... Uh, money laundering front that is the gallery yeah and then on top of that it's going to cost the hospital fortune when the summer's women sue them for saying everything is fine when everything might not be fine anyway while he's doing this dawn's playing with the stethoscope listening to their heartbeats and stuff but when she gets to riley's heart it's it's going real quick so let's cut to riley putting his shirt on because he's in an examination area wait a minute so when i was watching the episode i thought i had fainted at this transition this was such an abrupt cut i'm like i i literally went back i'm like did i have like is my dvd rip kind of like wonky like did it skip yeah was there a scene deleted from this so we went from dawn playing with a stethoscope to riley has been examined so like again it's it's a weird pacing where it's like you got totally unnecessary scenes like the buffy and willow thing they skipped the part where they where they where Don says something and they believe her. Yep. And then Riley gets in to be examined right away. <laughs> well, he is a white male, so yes. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> what I want to say about that is I don't want to look at Riley getting examined. What's going on with Joyce? What's happening with Joyce and her testing? Like, why do we have to be She's here? She's fine. <laughs> Listen, Steph, pay attention. Ben, the intern, said she's fine. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. All of a sudden, I was right here. Because, again, I don't remember this episode. I was right here to join Joyce on her testing journey. But instead, we get Riley. So the doctor is telling Riley that all her years of medicine, she's never let a patient with tachycardia this severe leave the hospital and riley's like you can't keep me and she's like yeah i know that but with the, with your pulse believe me i'd get on my knees and beg you to stay if it would change your mind riley's like it's not i'm gonna go home and the doctor's like can your friend convince you like about buffy <laughs> and riley's like i'm going and buffy's super uncomfortable with this and the doctor's just like all right then but you know you're leaving against my recommendation and i'm way smarter than you but whatever so she goes and riley like, this is so tiring. 
Buffy basically says, you, you're going to have a heart attack, you know, like, and he's like, calm down. Buffy's like, no, like, you have a pulse of 150. And Riley just says his heart works differently than hers because he was experimented on. And she's like, yeah, but like, you could still have a heart attack. And then Joyce and Dawn come in. Buffy gives Joyce a hug and Joyce is like, I'm just so embarrassed and I'm sorry to put you all through this and let's get out of here. And Riley's like, yep, let's go. And then they all leave. Um, but yeah, this is tiring because I hate that narrative. Like strong men, men, if they're sick, they're weak. You know, it's gross, toxic masculinity. I hate that narrative. I agree. And and so there is a, we're given an explanation for Riley's behavior in a bit, but I think that's just too convenient, and I'm with you on this. And it's just like, Buffy doesn't need this right now. Buffy's mom is suffering, Riley. Like, where is your sensitivity to what she's going through? You should realize that you're making the problem worse by pretending that you're fine. Yeah, I agree. But we're going to see more of this later, too, where Riley is, like, forgetting that Buffy's worried about her mother. (laughs) So uh, the Summers women are on their couch at Joyce's house. Willow's there and she's like, can I bring you you a crossword and stuff? And Buffy's telling her mom that she's not going to get up for the rest of the day. And Joyce is like, well, I just feel silly lying here like a lump. So, okay, but speaking of like gender and stuff, this is the other part where it's like when women get sick, we put pressure on ourselves to pretend we're fine or to keep going, right? Because we have to be the caregivers. Yes. Um, And when men get sick... And it's something like a cold, right? It's like, okay, well, you know, you're laid up for a week with that, dude. Um, (laughs) And so it's interesting to me here how it's like Joyce is doing her best, just like Riley, to say, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know, don't make a fuss. And, you know, we are seeing that Buffy is concerned for both of them. And she's having to split her attention here. And I think it's, it's very interesting that you know, the episode is trying to create this kind of parallel between Joyce and Riley and Buffy trying to take care of both of them. Mm-hmm. I think this episode is trying to say something interesting. It's just so incredibly messy that I don't think it really pulls it off. Yeah, I agree. And I even want to take a step further back and like, let's look at this interaction in the hospital that we've just seen. A little boy intern named Ben <laughs> says that Joyce is fine. We're all like, great, she's fine, even though we just watched her faint violently in in the kitchen in front of her daughter, okay? Then Riley, who's certainly not fine, the female doctor says, you're not fine, you have to stay, and he blows her off, right? And they all let the guy do what he wants to do. So I think there's something to be said there, too, about the women that are giving their expert advice the women that are saying, you should definitely stay. You're going to have a heart attack and I, I don't want you to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And how it's not taken seriously. So Joyce is saying we should worry about Riley. Again, we should worry about Riley, you guys. I'm the one that had a fainting spell, but Riley has a quick pulse. <laughs> so Buffy's like, um, he's not worried, so we shouldn't be either. Cut to Buffy's room where she's like, he sh- why isn't he worried? And she's talking to Willow and Dawn about this. And Willow says, maybe his body can handle it. He's really in shape. <laughs> oh, my. And Buffy says, nobody's body can handle a heart attack. And Willow does say, like, I'm sorry, Buffy. I'm, I'm trying too hard to make this okay. And I like that line a lot, actually, because... 
in life, we all struggle to say things that are going to make your friend feel better. That was the most self-aware line of the episode. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's not working and you just got to like pull back and be like, you know what? Vent away, (laughs) you know? So Buffy is saying like, this is the initiative, right? And Don keeps cutting in with stories about the CIA because I think Don really wants to be involved. I think she's feeling really happy that she gets to be in the room for this. Agreed. And I think she's trying to jump in and be helpful, but she's too young and she doesn't, she's not experienced and she doesn't know how to help. She's trying though, but I'm like, this is typical little sister. As we watch this season, I think we're going to continue talking about why the fandom hates Dawn so much. And I can see it. I can see her here interjecting her opinion when it's not needed, I can see how that can be seen as annoying. However, once again, I kind of see where Dawn is coming from because, again, this character has been created to insert herself in Buffy's life for some reason that we don't know yet. But as a 14-year-old girl, I get why she'd want to try and pitch in, right, and feel important, just like her older sister. So um, Willow tells Buffy to call the initiative, but of course, Buffy doesn't know how. She's like, big brother spying all the time. And the second I have something to say, no one will listen. And of course, Don mumbles, sounds like big sister. So Willow says there has to be a way. And Don actually makes the suggestion that if they're spying on you all the time, just say something so you know they'll be they'll hear you. Like sometimes I write fake things in my diaries just in case, you know, and, (laughs) and this seems silly, but Buffy actually hears this and says she has to go. Where does she go? To Riley's, and you can see in my notes, I put gym apartment, (laughs) dot, dot, like question marks. Yeah. There's a lot of windows in that bedroom. (laughs) Like, is he in the, I thought he was, might've been at, I might've been in the back of Giles's magic shop. (sighs) Behind the training room? Yeah, because it looks like, (laughs) it just looks like he's in a storefront. Like, I'm confused. Anyway, Buffy goes in there, picks up the phone, and it's a dead tone. And she's just like, Riley's in trouble. He needs help. These days, of course, you wouldn't have to do that because your smartphone would be listening to you at all times. Yes, which it, it, uh, like, I love when mine does. Because most of the times, the ads it it sends me are actually quite helpful based on conversations I've had recently. Riley, (laughs) Riley's playing b-ball with the boys at the park oh he's 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 chewing out max and relaxing all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school okay but here's the thing mark blucas is a basketball player right i think he was like recruited for college or something like he's pretty good and the show does this a lot remember back in season two when i guess sarah michelle gather was like i can skate and they're just like awesome let's get you out there and show off your talent. And I will say that Mark Blucas is a much better basketball player than Sarah Michelle Geller is a figure skater. Burn! And I don't care who hears it. This is for all the people on TikTok who got mad at me for <laughs> saying that she's not a good skater. They're like, she's better than me. Well, you know what? You're a bad skater too. <laughs> it wasn't her. It was mostly her skating double. But the shots that were Sarah Michelle Geller were not good. And I'll say it again. I'll say it until the end of the show. Uh, but Mark Lucas is playing basketball and it's pretty good. Who are these random guys he's found to play with him? <laughs> I don't know. His gym buddies? Yeah. Because <laughs> he lives in there. Riley a gym. <laughs> Riley has become a gym bro. That's why he was so swole and he was so good at killing vampires. He's lot, you know, he's not going to college anymore. He dropped out and he's working in a gym and he's living there. This, uh, I will say that this episode is trying to turn out 
just as off the rails as where the wild things are. Um, But no, I agree with you because I think what happened is O'Reilly, the way he's supporting himself is that he's gone in on a gym with some of these bros. And part of that deal is that he gets to sleep in the back. (laughs) So all you have to do is walk out and be like, b-ball? You know, like, like, you guys want to shoot some hoops? And then they're like, yeah, let's go. It doesn't matter because his old best friend, Graham, is watching him play. Graham! <laughs> Hi, Graham! Too funny. <laughs> Looking old AF. He didn't look that old last season. Maybe it's the new it's lighting. The lighting. Yeah, it's the lighting. He introduces two other agents that are with him to Riley, Agent Goodman and Agent Brown. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I, I laughed because these two agents, one is a white man and one is a black man. And obviously... Guess which one is which? <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, I was like, come on! <laughs> oh, Joss Whedon, Joss. I don't blame you, Joss Whedon, for it. Jesus Christ. Okay, sorry. We're so. Oh, this episode. So, Graham is saying, straight up, Riley, we need to get you into the operating room immediately. <laughs> Why didn't they just taser him with a blinky gun? Just take him! Just take Put him! Put a bag, just, you know, explain extraordinary rendition the shit out of him like why are you wasting your time talking to this guy graham you know riley you know you can't convince him you should use reverse psychology you should be like hey riley dude we heard you that you're refusing treatment that's cool with us good job we think that's the right thing to do and riley would be like operate on me immediately they could have just been like riley we got an even better basketball court <laughs> for you to come check out at the hospital they just, they just they just put little like candies on the ground in front of him and then graham's sitting there with a string attached to a boss stick and a box yeah like we're in the simpsons when like um mr burns and smithers have that wad of cash on a string and they drive with it <laughs> so funny i don't know i don't i've never watched the simpsons oh what okay well that's our next rewatch <laughs> podcast um so so the point is riley's not convinced he's like i don't trust the government like what are you, they're gonna they're gonna take me riley took a hard <laughs> tinfoil hat left turn <laughs> but this is what he says please take me to where they can make me unconscious and naked <laughs> this is ridiculous so graham says you think i'll pull something on you like no yeah no homo we already discussed this earlier so riley says you're still in i'm out i don't know what orders you're following and graham's like you know that walsh pumped all those chemicals into all of us you got more than anyone she messes up real bad (laughs) and riley's like now the government's knocking themselves out to kiss and make it better and graham just says you need help we're not doing this to trick you. We've got a doctor. He's going to take care of you. And we're going to go to him right now. I'm not giving you a choice. But you did. But you did give him a choice, Graham. You've lost the element of surprise, Graham. You've gone soft. Like, Riley beats them up after this. And I'm not saying you deserved it, Graham. But I'm just saying, like, you could have done a better job than this. Obviously. Obviously. So Graham, poor Graham, has a bruise on his cheek. And he's talking to Buffy back at the at the the common space in the university, which we haven't seen in a while. And um, Buffy's pissed, right? She's like, why Why can't you tell me what's wrong with him? And Graham's like, it's classified or whatever. And Buffy's like, tell me. And he, <laughs> he immediately <laughs> folds. He's like, okay. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, hyper adrenal 
overload and a bunch of other stuff. He's like, he's way stronger than he ought to be. And he's feeling no pain. His heart can't take it. We've been at him for weeks about this. So again, if you've been at him for weeks about it, Graham, why did you think he would just say yes after like being tired out from b-ball? Why don't you just take him in his sleep? <laughs> just <laughs> again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just... not advocating on operating on somebody without their consent, but like, you're bad at this, Graham. And I love you, Graham. I love you. You're my boy. But I'm sorry. It's, it's you're bad so, at this. I, you're really bad. And Buffy has a right to be pissed because she's like, I would have just taken him. <laughs> so um, Graham tells Buffy that there's a specialist waiting at Sunnydale General, fourth floor neurology. And I was like, neurology? Isn't this a heart condition? No, no, no. It's... Uh, hormonal condition, right? It's mm. the adrenal gland. It's produce. He's uh, producing adrenaline, which is overloading his heart. So it's it's it will become a heart condition <laughs> if they don't stop the neurological condition. Wow, my fifteen years of Grey's Anatomy medical school have really failed me. So Buffy says she'll get him there, and Graham's like. I'll tell the doc and Buffy and Buffy's like, if you tell me to hurry, I'll kick your ass. You don't got to be so mean to Graham, Buffy. We know he's a screw up. All right. <laughs> he's trying. He's trying his best. So here's another clunky thing about <laughs> the editing of this episode. There's a shot of the Sunnydale streets that we've never seen before. They look so busy. I was like, impossible, impossible. There's only one street there and it's not this one. And then we see Riley enter a cave. <laughs> that's, that's it. So, let's go to the magic shop because Buffy is with the Scoobies and she's freaking out because she can't find Riley and he's gone somewhere. He doesn't want to be found. And Anya says he's gone AWOL and Xander says maybe he just needs some time alone. I had this friend who likes this girl and he got all worried that maybe she didn't like him back and maybe that made him act like a total jerk. Maybe Riley reminds me of that friend. And Willow says, what are you talking about? And Kara and I are going to say the same thing. What the fuck are you talking about, Xander? What are you talking about? There's two possible scenarios here. The first is that if you are talking about the fact that Riley told you the last episode that Buffy doesn't love him and that it hurts his feelings, just say that. Just say Riley's insecure. And even if you did say that, that's not helping the situation because <laughs> he's missing. So you bringing this up right now. Doesn't make any sense. The other avenue that I thought it was, was that Xander is speaking about his unrequited feelings for Buffy back in season one, in which case I don't understand why he's bringing this up at all. I believe it is. That is the case. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, Xander. <laughs> like, sh what? What? Like, what about it? What? Why are you bringing I that up? I think he's just trying to be relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to carpentry. What's something you're good at for a very Zan long time? Yeah, Zan Xander doesn't do a lot in this episode, right? Which is probably the best for the best. But well, none of the Scoobies do. That's another of my critiques, right? This they, this scene purely exists to give the Scoobies something to do, and even then, they kind of just get brushed off, you know. So anyway, Xander says maybe he just wants attention, and Buffy's like, well, if he wants attention, uh, be there so people can give it to you. And Anya is also confused by what Xander said because she says, I care about you, Xander. Don't be insecure because <laughs> I also have this friend and I have an on good authority that she really likes this guy, your friend. And Buffy's like, shut up. <laughs> like enough. Riley's in real danger here. She tells Xander and Anya to go to the docks. Why? Is he jumping ship like Faith? <laughs> like, why? Um, 
she ta- Willow and Tara say they're going to go to the high school uh, because Riley once hid there and maybe it's homey to him now. And Buffy's like, you know what else might be homey to him? <laughs> the Initiative Caves. <laughs> what? Kara, were, were they ever called the Initiative Caves? I mean, I would call them the caves where Adam, you know, stabbed Forrest through with an arm needle, but that's just me. <laughs> Right? Or the caves where those daughters of Shay or Jay from the Zeppo. That's true. There are a lot of caves around Sunnydale. Yeah, but like they were never the initiative caves. And why the hell would Riley go to them? Um, okay, so so Buffy says um, she doesn't know them very well. And Giles says he has an associate who knows those caves like the back of his melanin-deprived hand. And Buffy's like, I don't want to deal with Spike right now guy is really starting to bug me in a special I want to shove something wooden through his heart kind of way and Will's like he does seem extra twitchy lately maybe the whole not killing is getting to him and Buffy's like plus hanging all day in that moldy crypt you know he's doing something nasty again why don't you guys just kill him (laughs) well turns out Spike is playing 20 questions with Harmony (laughs) Um, (sighs) Harmony picked the item and Spike is guessing and he guesses is it smaller than a bread box? And she says, no, you only have four guesses left. And so he says, well, is it bigger than a bread box? And she says, no. So the look, the sheer look that Spike gives Harmony, staff. And he says, is it a bleeding bread box? And Harmony is so excited that her blondie bear is a 20 questions champion. Yep. Uh, I don't know what a bread box is. I was going to ask if you did. And then I was like, no, that's patronizing. I don't want to ask you that. You can ask <laughs> so me that. So thank you for admitting it. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you be surprised to know that it is a box for holding bread? I, I couldn't. In my head, I was like, it can't be that simple. Why do you put box in a bread? That's, why do you put bread in a box? <laughs> um, because, you know, if you man- if you make your own bread, as we used to do back in the olden times, uh, it doesn't come in a plastic or cellophane you know, little baggy, right? So you got to keep it fresh in your kitchen. That is the opposite of what I do. I put my bread in the freezer <laughs> and I, and I, so that it doesn't mold. And then I put it in the toaster and it heats it up. And that's, <laughs> that's my so bread box. you're telling me you're not baking fresh bread every single day in your house? Not lately. <laughs> uh, you are a failure as a wife. Wow, you're so right. I should go apologize to my husband immediately. <laughs> No, screw him and his fresh bread. So, banging on the door, Harmony runs to hide in Spike's coffin, and Spike sits atop it, and Buffy breaks in, and Buffy says, I've got a preposition for you. And Spike starts ranting about her not knocking, and it's rude, blah, blah, blah. And Buffy holds up money, and that shuts him right up. And she says, Riley's sick with an initiative thing, and he's missing. I think he might be in the caves. Uh, You find him, bring him to the fourth floor of the hospital. His doctors get to him in time you get the cash and spike's like oh dear is that enormous hall monitor sick (laughs) is he gonna die (laughs) and uh that's a good joke and buffy slaps spike and says uh he's not the only one that could die and spike says i'm just saying if it's really important to you i think i should get half now buffy rips the money literally in half it's so awesome and throws it at him then she leaves and harmony harmony pokes out and she's like what did she say about me so Kara, like, this is a terrible plan of Giles and Buffy's for her to go to Spike, is it not? I mean, I again, I, I, I hesitate to, to blame everything on bad writing. I think this is just, well, we want to get Spike involved somehow. Yes. Like, but it's like, that's bad. <sighs> that's stupid. This is like, of course, you mentioned the initiative. You mentioned Doctor. Who has the biggest stakes in this? Spike. 
So of course, of course. I suppose one could make the argument that Buffy's just not thinking straight because she's so concerned for Riley and also her mom, and oh therefore my. she's not, you know, making the best decisions. Um, maybe. Well, I, maybe, but then I'm just going to jump ahead real quick and say that Buffy finds him in the cave no problem. <laughs> so Fair. it's just, you guys, stop relying on Spike. Stop asking Spike for help. Stop paying Spike. Kill Spike. Kill him. You already said he's getting twitchy because he can't murder anybody. Why keep him around? At the hospital, Graham is talking to the doctor and he's like, if Riley comes in now, can you fix him? And the doctor's like, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm not sure it's enough for if he was brought in yesterday. I was like, that doesn't sound very medical of you. There's tapping on the door, but oh, it's Spike and Harmony. And they Harmony immediately knocks Graham and the guard out and holds up a crossbow to the doctor. And Spike says, you've got a new patient. So quick shot of Buffy wandering caves. Spike has walked the doctor the five miles to Sunnydale University um, because there's a lecture room there because there's a medical school there, I guess. And there's an operation table at the school. And the doctor is telling Spike that he's never performed this procedure before. And Spike's, uh, he gets on the table, right? And basically, like, if he doesn't do it, Harmony will kill him. The scene ends with Harmony accidentally shooting the crossbow, like, into the wall because she doesn't know how to use it. So, Kate, at the high school, again, Kara, you need to explain to me why this, why this scene's in here. But Willow and Tara are exploring the school, and Tara says, we should have brought a flashlight. And Willow's like, I have a spell. And she says, Fiat Lux, which I actually looked up because I'm an excellent podcast researcher. And that means let there be light. And she throws yes. a bottle on the ground. There's lights everywhere now. And Tara is like, uh, how'd you do that, right? And Willow says, uh, you taught me. And Tara's like, no, I taught you tiny Tinkerbell lights. And B Willow's like, okay, well, I tinkered with the Tinkerbell. Uh, it was really easy. This is better than using a flashlight like a doofus. And again, I was like, what is this, what is this scene? Other than to show that Tara might be a little bit concerned with how Willow has enhanced the magic. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's what they're trying to do. Like, it seems pretty clear that this episode is laying groundwork for what's coming, you know, foreshadowing the rest of the season. Um, something's up with Joyce. Something's up with Willow and her use of magic. And, you know, there's all these little scenes that I guess we're going to come back to in later episodes. But they do seem shoehorned into this episode. And the the core of this episode's story suffers for it. That's the last time we see Taryn Willow this episode. Well, that ha that happened in Real Me as well, right? Yeah. And same with, like, uh, like, Xander and Anya went to the docks and just stayed there, probably, you know. <laughs> probably having sex on a boat. Nice. <laughs> so we cut to Buffy in the caves with a flashlight. That's the joke, right? Um, she finds Riley, because, of course, she does. And uh, he's punching holes in cave walls. <laughs> he says it doesn't even hurt. Like, you can't feel a thing. And I actually have a lot to think about, a lot to say about this, this scene here. So Buffy says she's taking him to the doctor. They're the only ones that can help you now. And Riley says, I'm more powerful than I've ever been. Most people would kill to feel this way. Oof. Scary talk. Uh, Buffy says, this feeling is going to kill you. Your body was not meant for this kind of stress. And Riley's like, I can handle it. This is my deal, Buffy. Just back off. And Buffy's like, like, what is going on here? And Riley says, if he goes back to the government, best case scenario is that they turn him into Joe Normal, just another guy. And Buffy's like, and that's not enough for you? And Riley says, that's not enough for you. 
Ah, Riley, oh, Riley, fuck off. Riley says, your last boyfriend wasn't exactly a civilian. And Buffy says, you're going to die over some macho pissing contest. And Riley's like, it's not about him, it's about us. You're getting stronger every day, more powerful. I can't touch you. Every day you're a little further out of reach. (sighs) Okay, so Riley, first you're going to shame your girlfriend for her past relationship something that is has nothing to do with you. And now you're going to say that you're intimidated by her strength. Like, is this what I'm hearing? Also, I'm pretty sure he touched her a lot the previous night because they had a lot of sex. And like, we know based on his conversation with Xander before that like, he knows that Buffy doesn't love him, at least not to the degree that he wants her to. So we know where this insecurity is coming from and why he's doing this. But it doesn't sit well with me either way. Because you're, again, you're, you're, upset that Buffy is stronger than you that you feel like you can't match up to her because of her strength and you're also as much as you say it's about you and me you're the one that brought up Angel not her Buffy says like I'm not the one running away and Riley says not yet and Buffy says so you have this all figured out I'm bailing because you're not in the super club and Riley says it's human nature and Buffy's starting to get teary-eyed Buffy says, nobody has ever known me the way you do. Nobody. I've opened up to you in ways I've never opened up to anyone. God, you're just thinking none of this means anything to me. And Riley says, I never said that. Buffy says, obviously, it doesn't mean anything to you. Do you think so little of me? Do you think that I spent the last year with you because you had superpowers? If that's what I wanted, then I'd be dating Spike. Riley, I need you. I need you with me. And I need you healthy. (sighs) So... Here's where my thoughts came in for this for the scene, because I think it's really powerful. And I'm not sure if it's because Sarah Michelle Geller, her eyes are welling up and she's really selling this shit. But I said in the last episode that I do, and I know that you disagreed a bit, but I, I do think that Buffy loves Riley. And I say it again, it's it's just not to the degree that it should be for a long-term relationship. And mm. that's fine. But Ruffy, but Ruffy, Riley's feeling that, right? So this is where a lot of this conversation is coming from. But it's when she says that, like, I need you. I think she's telling the truth. Like, I believe her. This conversation makes me shoot back to I will remember you, where Buffy is lying in bed with Angel. And she says, I've never felt this way, like a normal girl falling asleep in the arms of her normal boyfriend. And it's tragic that that memory was erased from her. For many reasons, but one of the reasons is because the next time she felt that way that she could remember was with Riley, right? Her normal boyfriend, her feeling like a normal girl in his arms, not Angel's. So that is significant to Buffy. That matters to her. And I think that the fact that we've been talking since episode one or even Restless from last season that there's a darkness that surrounds Buffy's destiny and a darkness that she seems to be drawn to. So I think that she sees Riley as part of the light, part of that tether to normal life and to the light and to her human side, not her slayer side. That matters to her, that she wants to hold on to. Her friends are part of that too. But that's that's how I think she sees Riley. And it is a type of love. It's not the kind of deep love that she had with Angel. It's not the love she had with Scott Hope. <laughs> or, well, it's closer, to, perhaps it's closer to that love than Angel's. Um, it's It's not as deep. But it's certainly impactful and it certainly means something to her. I mean, it it can't be deep when he's about as shallow as a puddle (laughs) on a warm day. 
right right but we know we know buffy we've we've been watching buffy for seasons now and feeling like a normal person matters to her and riley makes her feel normal riley gives her this normalcy and this reliancy that she needs and she says that herself like i want you healthy like i need you and i need you healthy and it's not just because like you know she wants him and she wants to have sex with him but it's because like he just represents this light in her life that she's really desperate to hold on to, especially since her encounter with Dracula. Okay. That's my feelings about that. Do you think maybe then that Buffy is perhaps putting too much pressure on Riley to be that type of man for her? I don't know if pressure is the right word. This is like unrealistic expectations. Like, I hear what you're saying, mm-hmm. right? And we're being very critical of Riley for maybe wanting Buffy to be what she's not for him, right? And wanting her to love him and she doesn't uh, or, or you know, doesn't in, in the way he wants. Not enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, but maybe there's room here to criticize Buffy lovingly because I hear what you're saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. But maybe this is a case of like Buffy wants something from Riley that he can't give her. Yeah. Or that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good way to look at it, too. I think Buffy wants this particular part of Riley. This is one of the reasons why she wants to be with him. But you're right. That's We could actually see that as being selfish because she's not giving Riley everything that he needs from her. Because a very unbalanced relationship now. Buffy, again, wants that, like, like it's that normalcy, the reliancy. If I think being reliant on him is a big thing, right? Like, you, I need you here when I want you to be my normal boyfriend. But when I'm doing superpower stuff, I don't need you around. Right. And that's not right. what Riley's signing up for. Riley wants her to want him like a manly man, like a super soldier, like Angel the Vampire. But she's not giving that to him because she doesn't feel that way about him in that way. And again, like there's different types of love. Love has different levels. Love is different for every person. But he wants her to be completely in love with this version of manhood that he believes he can uphold. And that's just not the case. And that mixed in with his insecurity, with the fact that he values that typical masculine strength and that he struggles with Buffy's strength at the same time. It's all creating this really toxic dynamic here Yeah, that I do think is more on Riley than it is on Buffy. I agree. And I would add that this goes back to the way that the writers chose to create Riley's character, which is he doesn't exist for all intents and purposes outside of his relationship with Buffy, mm. right? And I think I was complaining about this in a previous episode. I don't remember which one. Yeah. Um, where it's like, this would be interesting if we knew more about Riley, if we knew about his parents or visited him in his hometown or something, right? Like, you know, Angel got a whole backstory. He got Darla and he got, uh, you know, we had flashbacks to when he had long hair and a mustache. Like, where's our flashbacks to Riley with a mustache? <laughs> to Riley on the basketball court when he's 12. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Riley's only purpose in this show is to be the rebound boyfriend. And, and in some way, I feel sorry for him for that because mm. it just it doesn't work as a relationship. You know, um, like, look at this episode. In this episode, Riley's only purpose is to annoy Buffy honestly yeah uh, he's here to suffer he's been put on this earth to suffer <laughs> but only in ways that are very inconvenient to Buffy <laughs> you know last season it was getting kidnapped by Adam or hijacked by Adam and abused by his mother figure and stuff and this season it's 
being toxic masculinity while having health issues, which Buffy does not need right now. She is being distracted from her mom's health issues by her boyfriend's health issues. Um, and and I, I'm trying to be sympathetic towards Buffy at the moment, right? Because, like, that's a lot to deal with. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, Riley, like, be an adult about this. And, and why are you making your girl... Why are you hiding in a cave, Riley? <laughs> why are you hiding in a cave and you're making your girlfriend come and chase after you for life-saving medical procedures when her mother has something that we don't know what's wrong? I just... And so I'm I'm mad at Riley, but I'm also mad at the writers because I shouldn't be mad at Riley. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's really unfair to Riley, to be honest. I mean, like I said, I, I'm... I see in in what Buffy says to him here, I actually see how Ruffy, the relationship, has benefited Buffy in a lot of ways. And again, like she's not being perfect here. There's definitely things about the way that she's loving Riley that obviously aren't fulfilling what he needs. But yeah, it's just not enough on Riley's end for us to really be on board with his treatment of her here. Like I get that he's insecure I get that he's lashing out and like, I, I don't know, maybe if I was dating a superhero, how would I feel about feeling like I'm not needed exactly by them, that I'm convenient for them and that's it? That's hard. That's hard to deal with. But you said it right there, Kara. Buffy's mother is sick. Something's happened to her. And that should be Buffy's priority right now. Not chasing after Riley in caves that she can map out herself without Spike's help. <laughs> So let's finish off the scene. (laughs) Speaking of, um, basically, Buffy convinces Riley. Riley says, take me to the doctor. Oh, thank God. Why couldn't you say that several scenes ago, Riley? Jesus, Riley. And the thing is, is like as he walks, she walks by him, Riley grabs her and he says, loving you is the scariest thing I've ever done, Buffy. And Buffy says, I don't know why. And she doesn't say it back as we noticed. So that's what I mean. Like, I have sympathy for Riley in that, again, Buffy's not given him what he longs to hear. Uh, so Spike is getting open brain surgery. <laughs> Harmony's chatting up the doctor behind the screen and she's like, ew, look at his brain. It's so pink and wriggly looking. Can I touch it? And both the doctor and Spike say, no. <laughs> and Harmony, she doesn't realize that Spike is awake. And she's like, how's it feel? And he says, like, someone is cutting into my brain with a knife, you silly bint. Did we talk about what bint means? I already forget. Uh, yeah, it was a while ago. But yeah, <laughs> it's not anything nice. <laughs> so Harmony keeps rambling on. And she, at one point she says Spike is so, like, harmless right now, he can't pick flowers. <laughs> Which made me laugh. Well, and he defends himself, right? He's like, what? No, that's not true. <laughs> right? Like, I could totally pick flowers. <laughs> <Tra-la-la-la-la>. la 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 and the doctor is so funny. He's like, for God's sakes, please be quiet to Harmony. And Spike says, like, Harmony, if you're incessant prattling, Bullocks is up this operation. I'm going to personally yank out your pink and wriggly tongue. Uh, Spike, Harmony's helping you right now. So <sighs> once more, Spike's misogyny on full view for everybody to see. And everyone to continue ignoring, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> your face buffy and riley enter the doctor's room and wake up graham who i think cara i suspect was just lying there waiting for dad to come find him (laughs) right well so first he got knocked out so uh i mean best place to to be in uh you know be in a hospital if you're gonna get knocked out but that my question for you steph is 
yeah like did the staff just leave him unconscious this whole time like <laughs> has nobody noticed that there's an un like three unconscious people lying around in the hospital <laughs> maybe they blocked off the floor the neurology floor right just for this government operation secret ops but the my thing like he literally gets up as soon as Riley's like Graham and he like sits up and he's got a new bruise. Now he's got a bruise on his forehead, too. So, of course, uh, one thing Graham does give us is the doctor's real name was his Dr. Overheiser, I think. But we should call him Dr. Chip. They realize that Spike took him oh, like to get the chip out. Oh, of course, of course. Oh, like Buffy should have known. Uh, Riley, he's, you know, he's not doing very well, right? So Graham's like, we need a medic soon or he's not going to make it. And Buffy's like, okay, Spike's going to need equipment. He's going to need a medical facility. He wouldn't do it here. It's too risky. Graham, go check animal hospitals and doctor's offices. I'm going to go exactly where he is. (laughs) So, uh, before he leaves, Riley tries to say, like, apologize to, to Graham. And Graham's just like, apologize to me later when you're not dead. So, Buffy says, you're not going to die to Riley. She says, when I get my hands on Spike, I'm going to rip his head off. And Spike's saying something very similar in the middle of his surgery. He's saying, I'm going to bathe in the Slayer's blood. I'm going to dive in it, swim in it. I'm going to do the bloody backstroke. And Harmony's smoking. (laughs) She's smoking next to the open brain surgery that's happening. And she's like, oh, Spikey, I see the chip. (laughs) It's nestled in there with like a pretty little Easter egg with your brain all around it. And... The, the doctor says, you should put out that cigarette. It's not allowed. And Harmony's like, says who? And the doctor points to a sign that says no smoking. And Harmony's literally like, oh, sorry, I didn't see the sign. I love you, Harmony. Don't ever change. <laughs> so we hear a clatter, right? And the chip is out. The chip is out, says Dr. Chip. And he says, I didn't think I could do it, but I just did. It's out. So Harmony applauds and Spike's like, stitch me up, doc. Got places to go and slayers to kill. So... Cut to the doctor stitching up Spike's head, and Spike is like, I'm going to eat you, right? And the doctor's like, oh. But enter Buffy and Riley. They also walked the five miles to get here in time. (laughs) Spike says, Slayer. And they face off, and Spike says, suit up harm. They vamp out. Buffy throws the doctor over and says, stay there. (laughs) Like, I'm going to need you. And Spike tells Buffy, I swear I was thinking of I was just thinking of you. I wanted to tell you the great news. My head's all clear now. No more bug zapper in my noggin. And Buffy says, means I could kill you. And Spike says, means you could try. And I was like, just kill him, Buffy. Just kill this guy. Harmony shoots Riley in the leg. Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Riley and Harmony fight off. Buffy and Spike fight. Buffy punches Spike a bunch of times. He ends up tackling her to the ground saying at long last and then and i'm gonna come back to this in a second he tries to bite her but he falls back in pain and buffy kicks him off her riley falls to the ground having an apparent heart attack spike realizes that there's a penny in the surgery bowl like it wasn't the chip at all the doctor is a liar lies and buffy calls for the doctor to help riley spike and harmony run off so i don't know why spike was allowed to tackle buffy like that Sometimes he can push humans, sometimes he can't. Sometimes it's just like this this chip rule is very strange. But we'll continue being confused about that as we go on. I mean, maybe the doctor did do something to the chip, but it's not enough. He poked at it enough to like change some of its settings. <laughs> Spike and Harmony are running back to the crypt as Spike says, Buffy, Buffy, Buffy. Everywhere I, I turn, she's there. That nasty little face, that fancy shampoo commercial hair. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's so right about that. He says the whole soldier, the, the whole holier than thou attitude. She follows me, tracks me down. I'm her pet project. Drive Spike around the bend. Make every day a fresh bout of torture. So Spike violently throws like a tombstone. He smashes it. And he says, I can't get rid of her. She's everywhere. She's haunting me, Harmony. And he aggressively grabs Harmony. And this actually like made me stop for a second because Harmony's face is terrified that he like grabbed her so violently. I would be, I would be too. Um, and he says this has got to end. But like like you said earlier, like the misogyny of Spike, what we said in the previous episode, like real me, I think it was. Spike is still abusive to Harmony. He's a, he's abusive towards Harmony. And now he's abusive towards Harmony while ranting about how another woman has ruined his life. Yeah. And, and he's throwing heavy stone objects, right? Like people like to suggest that we should give Spike a pass because I don't know why he's like, attractive <laughs> or whatever. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't think we should walk away from the gravity of a scene like this, right? Where it's like when you have a man ranting about how a specific woman has ruined his life and in in this case he's doing it to another woman that he's had an intimate relationship with and has not treated very well that's not good right like Mm. this is not just spike at his lowest but i would argue this is spike at his worst in a moment like this And, and as much as he can be a charming character at times and yes he has helped the scoobies in the past this is where I'm watching Spike, and I'm just like, you are not a good person right now. Or period. You know, like, this is not good behavior by anybody of any gender. It's not acceptable, and, you know, it's not just men who act this way, but certainly in our society, we set up a situation where too often cis men act this way, and cis and trans women and people of marginalized genders who end up in relationships with these men have to watch them throw these kinds of tantrums and then pick up the pieces right and and so Mm -hmm. harmony is serving the purpose in this scene of like soothing spike's ego right she's like it's gonna be okay you know we'll get the slayer because she doesn't want his anger to be turned on her she knows that that anger is coming towards her eventually and She's not going to leave, which is the the saddest part of this, right? She's not going to walk out the door. She's going to stay there because she's afraid of Buffy. And, you know, she thinks, like, maybe maybe this is going to get better. And it's not going to get better, Harmony, I'm sorry to say. Uh, Because Spike doesn't care for you. um, And he's obsessed with this other blonde who's apparently just made his entire life terrible. It's not his choices that's messed things up for him. It's Buffy. Yeah. And I I also think that people give Spike a pass. Yes, because they love him. He's charming. He's handsome. All these things. But they give him a pass because he's evil, right? They're always like, oh, well, he didn't have a soul. But (laughs) like, that's not how you and I choose to look at it because the fandom does lift up Spike in so many ways and overlook the fact that this is abusive and this is modeling behavior for a lot of true life examples in the way that you just explained. So we don't give it a pass. We don't say that, oh, it's he's a demon or, oh, it's like only once in a while that he does this. It's still wrong that he's doing it. And we need to point that out. I'll also add that the violence of him breaking that tombstone and frightening 
Harmony, like you said, of course, that violence turning on to the woman eventually is a very big reality. And it shoots me back to our discussion in Passion when Angel, remember he threw that orb and it burst uh, against the classroom wall and he scared Jenny. And I had told you like that actually that movement frightened me. Yeah. And we talked about it back then about how the violence of men can be very triggering for women because it can so often be turned on us. So we leave this scene. We cut to Riley being patched up by the doctor. Riley says um, he's all back to normal now. And Buffy, she puts her head against his newly sewn up wound. (laughs) I was like, I don't know about that, Buffy. Um, So he's touching her hair and she says, see, I'm still very touchable. And Riley says, give me a week to heal and I'll take and I'll take advantage of that fact. And Buffy says, are you going to be okay? Because I need to go check on my mom, which is so valid. It's so valid that she needs to go see what Joyce is up to. Riley looks surprised by that. And then he's like, okay, go ahead. I'll be fine. Buffy says, I'll talk to you later. She kisses him. No, stay. Take care of me, Buffy. That's what he wants. He's like, make me soup. So he, 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 Uh... their fingers are lingering on each other for a bit. Then Buffy leaves and then it lingers on Riley's empty hand as in like, she's not touchable. I'm not touching her anymore, literally. And that's what that means. God damn it, Riley. It's not all about you. He said the right thing. But his attitude after she leaves is not, is the wrong thing, right? He says, yeah, go check on your mom. But you can tell he's upset about that. That's not fair to Buffy. That's not fair to Joyce. Um, that's hard. Graham and Riley are walking down the campus hallway. I guess Graham caught up to them after checking all the <laughs> animal hospitals. Uh, Graham says, Buffy's impressive. And Riley says, yeah, she really is. And Graham says, but you know you don't belong here, right? This town, you're nothing here. And Riley's like, what are you saying? <laughs> he, he just said it, Graham. Uh, Riley. Graham says, there's nothing for you here. Riley says, there's her. Graham says, and you used to have a mission and now you're what? The mission's boyfriend? The mission's true love? And Riley just walks past him and Graham says, you belong with us. And Riley just keeps walking. Um, Graham, the mission is to rid the world of evil. So fighting along the greatest evil fighter that the world has is a really great mission and purpose. I think we've proven in season four that the Scoobies are much better at fighting evil than the initiative. So that's the mission, Graham. I mean, one of them is out of business. So <laughs> I, what was what what was it that they said? Um, salt the, bury it and salt the earth? Yeah, burn it down, salt the earth so nothing grows there for a hundred years. They didn't say that, but that's like the, the idea. I will also, though, point out that Graham is kind of saying what you were saying earlier, Kara, about Riley's whole life being about Buffy. As much as I think Riley is fighting the good fight alongside Buffy, it's true. His entire identity is being Buffy's boyfriend right now, and that's why it's tearing him apart. Last scene of the episode, oh my, Spike's crypt. Buffy enters in a rage, and she says... She would have been here earlier, but she had been cleaning up his mess all night. And Spike says, it's not my mess. I borrowed the doctor. Uh, And Buffy says, I'm done. And she pulls out her steak and she says, you're a killer. And I should have done this years ago. Yeah, you should have. Yes. Yes. Spike says, you know what? Do it. Bloody just do it. End my torment. Seeing you every day, everywhere I go, every time I turn around, take me out of the world that has you in it. And he... Takes off his shirt, and now he's shirtless. This dialogue. <laughs> this dialogue. Well, you know, we know why the dialogue so, like this. So, I think I've asked you this before. Is Topless Spike hot? He's in shape. Yeah, like I've said, and I've said it before, okay. too. Spike doesn't do it for me. He's he's right. very in shape. And I actually have a theory as to why all of a sudden we're seeing another Topless Spike. I'll tell you in a second. 
Yeah, he exposes his chest to her, right? And she stares at it. And then all of a sudden, he grabs her and they start to make out. And she pulls back at first. She's shocked. But then she grabs him and they keep making out. While they're making out, she says, Spike, I want you. And he says, Buffy, I love you. God, I love you so much. And then Spike wakes up and he sits up in his bed shirtless. Bolts upright. Do people ever do that in real life? That's how I wake up every morning. That's not, not how you wake up. <laughs> so um, uh, he Harmony's naked beside him and Spike is like, oh, God, please. No. All right. So so Spike's had a dream, sex dream about Buffy. And he says he loves her. Is that her. what a sex dream is? Well, I'm, I'm sure if he had not bolted upright like that, he probably would have continued on into the sex of oh. the dream. My friends tell me they have sex dreams all the time, and I'm just, I don't understand. It's never Spike and Buffy. <laughs> no, I'm just like, I, I'm just, I'm just having a realization right now that's like, oh, that's what a sex dream is. What do you mean? Like, what did you think it was? Well, I knew it was like a dream where you're having sex with somebody, but yeah. I just, I didn't realize that this would count as a sex dream. Uh, well, I guess because Spike, yeah, it's like an erotic dream. Maybe a sex dream. Um, If you wake up with a boner, (laughs) it's a sex dream. Uh, Anyway, okay, so uh, there's so much to think about here, and we're at the end of the episode. So I I know we're going to continue unpacking this as we go, but clearly Spike has, in his dream, subconsciously admitted that he loves Buffy. We've known Spike has had some sort of obsession with Buffy since he met her. I made the case that he started feeling the sexual vibes of the of this dynamic he has with Buffy back when Faith hit on him in Who Are You? And now it's starting to come to the forefront of everything. And again, we know that Spike mixes up violence uh, with sex, right? He does, he does it with Drusilla. He does it with Harmony. So the fact that him and Buffy get so violent, but there's never any outcome of that I think it makes sense for him to start thinking of her sexually. But it's also interesting to me that as soon as the show decides that Spike is going to start thinking romantically or sexually about Buffy, suddenly his clothes start coming off, right? Suddenly he starts becoming Mm. a more of a romantic lead in that they're like, you know, look at this man's body because James Marshall is an incredibly good looking in shape man. Back in season one and two, who else was shirtless all the time? Angel. Right? Because he was the romantic lead. And I'm not saying Spike is a romantic lead um, here, but I am saying there's a reason (laughs) all of a sudden his shirt's going to be off more often. I am learning so much right now. (laughs) Uh, Men's nipples equals women's hearts pounding like Riley's in this episode. Really? Yeah, I guess so. Um, Again, James Marsters is not my thing, but I totally understand why people would find this particular scene hot. I mean, I'm taking your word for it because you've watched Dawson's Creek and I assume there's a lot of similar romance stuff happening. Oh, incorrect. Dawson's Creek was a very chaste teen drama. Really? They talked about sex a lot. They talked about it, but very rarely (laughs) did the characters shown having it. There were no nipples? There was very rarely any shirtless scenes. Huh. Mm. I'm sorry, my brain's a little broken right now. I'm trying to like (laughs) figure all of this out. Well, I, I just want to, we're, hey, we're going to have a long time to talk about Spike and this new development. This is the first we're seeing of it physically, of him and Buffy in his dreams. And uh, yeah, lots to think about. Uh, who is your hero for this episode? Clearly Willow and Tara. <laughs> no. 
I don't understand what's going on with them right now. Um, we better have a Willow and Terra-centric episode soon, is all I'm saying, because... Mm. Yeah. And again, Xander and Anya didn't show up. <laughs> They're at the dock still. They're waiting for Riley's boat <laughs> to come or go. Uh, my hero is Graham. Wow. For showing up. Uh, you know, trying his best to bring Riley in from the cold. Uh, he's there for his bro. His b-ball bro. Uh, <laughs> my hero's the doctor. What a trickster. I wasn't expecting him to fake that chip. I don't even know how he did it. Like, he just drops the penny in there and Harmony's like, it's gone. <laughs> like, you know, good good for Dr. Chip. Really pulled a fast one on those vampires. All right. So more to come for season five. What are our hot stakes today? All right. We have some very, very hot stakes. Once again, about Buffy versus Dracula. First one is from Dalen, who says, okay. My issue with Buffy versus Dracula, and why I think Dracula is not at all sexy. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, biting is only fun and sexy when it is consensual. Okay, you're losing me now, Dalen. Um, <laughs> and building on a pre-established relationship, Dracula manipulates Buffy, or whatever you want to call the thrall. Uh, and there's no past chemistry. So instead, you just have this creepy guy with weird hair that preys on young girls mentally and physically. Are you confusing Dracula with Spike? um along with dalen's hot steak we have one from tamsin who has something very similar to this also about biting tamsin says you guys discussed the parallels between the three vampire bites buffy has experienced and pondered whether the act of being bitten is erotic for the bite we didn't ponder that tamsin we know i know (laughs) that it is erotic what struck me in that discussion was the idea of consent so buffy appears to enjoy the bites of angel and dracula but not the master in the case of angel she had insisted on it and had seemed to enjoy it for a very obvious degree uh to a very obvious degree and it was consensual in the case of dracula she was under his thrall and she appeared to enjoy it but to a far less extent in comparison with Angel, which I think has parallels with the concept of coerced consent. With the master, she did not want that to happen at all, and there was no suggestion of pleasure. So I think this is interesting in terms of what consent means and how situations can appear to be consensual when they actually are not. So both of uh, these hot stakes are about consent at the end of the day and why consent is super hot and how not getting consent is not. And I think we can agree with that. And we love talking about consent. And mm. yeah, I, th- I think it's cool that, you know, we had two people writing in kind of making this comparison and discussing, you know, as, as much as I don't want to talk more about the bite sex, <laughs> which is not sexy. Oh, it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Respectfully, you're wrong. <laughs> if there's anything that kills this podcast, <laughs> it's this rift. <laughs> it's what drives us apart <laughs> it's our villain it's story. a wedge between us uh no i i really do enjoy talking about all of these interesting dimensions when it comes to buffy and sex and sexuality and you know we were just talking about the whole spike and buffy thing and how you know he appears to be falling in love with her and i don't know where that's gonna go um right now it's all just in his dreams and in his head yeah uh is he gonna act on that i have no idea but yeah, when we bring up these ideas of consent, um, when you bring up the city of thrall, you know, and vampires, I mean, the master also had his little hypnosis thing going on, right? I don't know. It's interesting. And 
Dracula was a one-off, right? He showed up for the one episode. He was this gimmicky vampire. So I think maybe something we should watch out for going forward is not just Spike, but just if there are other vampire characters in general on the show, right? Is it's like, how does Buffy interact with them? Um, Because we're seeing her reawakening her Slayer side, right? And you speculated in Buffy versus Dracula that one of the reasons she was susceptible to his thrall was because of that connection of their power. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see, like, if Buffy comes up against another, like, vampire, big bad type character, um, does that play out again? Great point. Uh, our last hot stake is from Audrey, who says, I've been listening to your Dracula episode and enjoyed hearing your interpretations, but it made me think that you might not know that this episode was a crossover event. I watched the season when it originally aired and all the publicity and hype around this episode was to build interest in Dracula TV movie. The Buffy episode aired in September and Dracula the Dark Prince aired on October 31st and was supposed to tell the true story of the historical figure. Audrey, you may or may not be right that we knew that. You know what? Let's just confess. We don't know that. We don't know. We don't know shit. <laughs> so that's actually very fascinating that it was, you know, meant to promote something else. And that actually might explain a lot more why we were like, what is going on? Like, what? why? <laughs> it's fun. But I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that uh, little tidbit. I want to add that we have a lot of people writing in for season five. People are excited about this season. I'm excited about this season too. Yeah, me too. Um, just not about this episode. Okay, but we, these these episodes, I enjoy talking about the most <laughs> because they're just so wild. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for sending in your hot stakes, everybody, and continue going. Uh, we're just beginning season five, as you know, so we cannot wait to hear your thoughts as we continue on. And thank you especially to our Buy Me a Coffee supporters, including our chosen ones. You want to read yours first this time? <laughs> Okay, Emma, Taza, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Chase, Haley, and Tasha. Lizzie, Hannah, Holly, Kayla, Brady, Jordan, Lena, Julian, Nicola, and Luis. (laughs) What are we going to do next week? Just keeping everybody on their toes. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week